And so for this morning, I wanted to get us started just by asking a question. The question is this, where were you when you first heard the amazing truths of God? Where were you? Who were you with? What was shared? How did you feel? Whether you've known Jesus for a short period of time or a long period of time, what was it about the faith that initially drew you in? Can you remember? What was it about the faith that initially drew you in? A little bit about my story. Um, I grew up in Orange County. I was born in San Diego. I'm the youngest of four siblings. Um, I have two wonderful parents. My dad um, is a pastor, and so I'm a pastor's kid. And when I was five years old, I came to faith in Jesus um, with my sister bringing me to the Lord. One night before we went to bed, she just said, hey, do you want, do you want to um, receive Christ? And I, and I said yes, and she walked me through the simple gospel message. And so, luckily, there is no such thing as the junior Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was real to me when I was five, and uh, Jesus was everything to me. And so I, I grew up loving the church. I always wanted to be a youth pastor. I just came from um, being a youth pastor in San Diego for five and a half years um, with high school students. I absolutely love high school students, junior hires, and uh, it's just been a really awesome opportunity to do that. Um, when I was 19 years old, I recommitted my life to Jesus um, after hearing one of my dad's sermons. And so as a pastor's kid, what you would do is you would go into the church, and we were brave. Um, the Burke family is over here to, the, to your left. Um, but we would sit right in the middle, and I had to sit right smack in the middle right next to my mom. And it was uh, hearing sermons over and over and over again. I still have a stack of my dad's sermons. But when I was 19, something changed for me. Um, for the first time ever, I, I ended up with a Bible in my hand, and I was following along with my dad's sermon that Sunday morning. And uh, Jesus became real, and it was like a light bulb went off, and I understood the truths of who Jesus was. Sitting on a Sunday morning, like I did every single Sunday, being a pastor's kid, this Sunday was different. So I remember one of the first things I wanted as a pastor, uh, pastor's kid and coming to faith and recommitting my life now, 19, really wanted to follow the Lord. One of the first things I really wanted was a Bible. And so I asked my dad, I said, hey, I kind of am really into reading God's word now. Will you, will you get me a Bible? And he said, sure. So we went down to a bookstore when you used to go buy books. I'm at a bookstore. And so we went down to a local, I think it was like Sunshine Bookstore. And we picked out um, a Bible. And I was looking through it, and I saw an NASB Bible because that was my dad, what he preached out of. I picked the largest um, study Bible I could find. It was leather, it was black, it was beautiful. And uh, I remember having this Bible and absolutely loving it. And as I rang it up, my dad handed over the credit card, and I realized that it cost him over $100 for this Bible. And it was amazing that I had God's Word in my hand, and I actually not only had it, but I really wanted to, to read it. And so I started where um, a lot of people, a lot of mentors and people in my life told me to start in the Gospel of John. Because when you start at Genesis, you start with the beginning, and it, and it has some really sweet stories of, of God's people and how things began. And then you get to Exodus out of Egypt, God's people came. And then once you get to Leviticus, you might know it gets really confusing. You get to parts where there's like turtle doves, and you're like, what do I do with the turtle doves? I don't know. I'm really confused. And so I started reading the Gospel of John, and I was just, uh, my eyes were open to who God was. That God sent two great gifts. He sent his son Jesus, the Savior of the world, and he sent the Holy Spirit, God, to live within God's people. And I was especially blown away, if you've ever read the Gospel of John at the end, 
of the Gospel of John, it talks about everything that Jesus did. And it says this, it says, this disciple who is bearing witness about these things and whom have written these things, we know that this testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Everything that Jesus did. And as a late teenager, I was reading through everything that Jesus did. And I was just fascinated by him. And then at the end of John chapter 20, it talks about the purpose of the book. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in his presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But this book was written so you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Think back when you first heard the truths of God. For me, it was a transformative time. I was filled with wonder, filled with questions, and I was filled with gradual understanding of who Jesus was. And I was so thankful that I had um, trusted adults in my life that could really walk through the questions that I had. I was unsure about some things, and they just took me where I was and said, hey, keep asking those great questions. It's okay. No, no question is off limits. Instead of being defensive and saying, no, this is, this is the answer to your question, son, move on. They were, they were in conversation with me about Jesus. And I was amazed that what took place 2,000 years ago is actually true. And to this day, I get more and more truth of who Jesus is. That Jesus is much more beautiful and wonderful than I could ever describe. But my story in God's grand narrative was not over when I followed Jesus. A lot of people think when you follow Jesus, you get forgiveness of sin and a ticket to heaven. But that's just the beginning I continue to read the Gospel of John, Jesus' promises, a transformed life, a um, promise for him to be with us. And I also began reading about the Holy Spirit, Jesus, um, who he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us. We're supposed to walk with the Spirit. These metaphors that Paul uses to describe the Christian life. I began reading, and I remember in John 14, when Jesus talks about the promised Holy Spirit, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give your helper to be with you forever. And you will know him, for he will dwell in you and be with you. Jesus said, but this helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And so I recognized, and it was just, I was just blown away at the foundational truths of God at the moment we receive Jesus, that we get the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of sins, but also a new life with him. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives within the believer. And Jesus tells his followers that we, we can't, do the Christian life alone, that we need God's help, that we need the Holy Spirit. And I was thankful to many professors and, and pastors and leaders and mentors, men and women within the church who helped me understand what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to live a spirit-filled life. And I'm still learning. We're all in process. So for this morning, I just want us to, re to remember, what, what was it about the faith that initially drew you in? And what keeps you going in your spiritual journey today, this morning? And so I'd like for us to take a look at Paul's words in Romans chapter 8. And our focus will be on verses 5 through 8, as the Apostle Paul tells the readers for us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Setting our minds and the desires on God is one of the things, just one of the things that we do as Christians when we live the Spirit-filled life. And so will you stand with me as we read um, Romans 8, 5 through 8 together? Romans 8, 5 through 8, says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Lord, thank you so much just for um, this morning. Thank you so much for us gathering together to remember, Lord, what your son Jesus has done for us and for us to be filled with your spirit, to um, live lives, Lord, that is, that is pleasing to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you will just draw near to each person, including myself here this morning, as we just take a look at this verse and what it means to our lives and to our minds and to our, um, our, uh, our desires here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so set in your mind on the things of the Spirit. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, my wife Amanda and I, uh, we cruised here to Bethany, and uh, we're from San Diego, and so we drove out here with our two kids, and we packed them in the car. We had breakfast. We had coffee. The morning was going amazing. And so we got here, and we got here on time. Now, if you have two kids under three, um, when you are on time to church, you're, it, it's going well. Things are amazing. So we got here on time, and I remember looking at the clock in our, in our car. My wife Amanda sets it five minutes late, and so it, it thinks like you're on time when you're, really, when you're really early. And so we were probably even early. I remember getting out of the car and grabbing my daughter and getting out of, out of her seat, and, and Amanda grabbed her son and got him out of his seat. And we were walking to this building, and Amanda looks at me and says, Joe, you're not going to like this, but you have, a, you have a stain on the back of your shirt. And I looked at her, and I said, that's not a big deal. And she goes, no, Joe, you don't understand. It's, it's a big stain. And I go, okay. She even took out her phone. She took a picture of it to show me, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a good wife does. And she shows it to me, and the thing was the size of a basketball. <laughs> and so I don't know what happened to this shirt. I was probably at a wedding. Have you ever been to a wedding, and you're sitting in those little plastic white chairs, and the sun is beating on you, and those people get, the, get there early, and they get the, the real shaded spot? Um, I wasn't in that spot that day, and I was wearing this shirt, and so when I got home, I hung it up in my closet thinking I was going to dry clean it, but I never got around to dry cleaning it until I pulled it off <laughs> my hanger and wore it to come out here to visit Bethany. And so I am, I am standing there looking at Amanda, and as soon as I look over at her, my son spits up all over her. <laughs> and so we're two for two. <laughs> we're not doing good. <laughs> and she starts to laugh a little bit, and I kind of chuckled a little bit, but then I stopped because we drove here from San Diego. The morning was so great. Coffee was wonderful. Breakfast was delicious. And now we're here and everything's set. We're on time. And now I can't walk in because I have this huge stain and I'm embarrassed. So I said, let's get in the car. So we got in the car and we started driving. We saw a store. There was a Target. We opened I, I got out of the car, opened up the door, ran into Target, grabbed the first shirt that I could find, bought it, threw it on, and we came back to the service. We were 40 minutes late. Jared's sermon wasn't over yet. <laughs> um, but it was out of my control. I couldn't fix it, at least right there. And so during that time, I didn't handle things well. I didn't laugh, even though it was kind of funny. I didn't say, oh, well, it happens. I wasn't calm, and I was setting my mind on the negative, frustrated part of my thoughts when I could have set in my mind, could have been setting my mind on something else. So the big idea is the Christian life has a lot to do with our mindset. And Paul here describes two types of minds. Those that set their minds on the things of the Spirit 
and those who set their minds on the things of what Paul calls the flesh. Two mindsets. Follow with me in verse 5. It says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay. But for those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Let's, let's pause right there. Flesh. What is Paul talking about? Flesh. That sounds kind of creepy. It sounds kind of weird. The word flesh is one's thoughts or desires. The flesh is the pull back towards sin that we all experience. The pull back towards sin is what Paul is referring to with the flesh here. One time I got to go to Africa, and we stopped in Dubai um, as one of our stops, and we had a hotel there, and we were able to spend maybe a few hours out on the town, and so we went to the Dubai Mall. The Dubai Mall is one of the largest malls in the world, um, they even, when you look at it from a map, it even says, uh, has like one of the largest, has the tallest building in the world, and even within the mall has what they call an underwater zoo. I thought it was just called an aquarium, but apparently it's an underwater zoo. And uh, during this mall, you walk, and it has the latest and greatest technology. It has all the fashion. You name it, this mall has it. But you have to walk a lot. And so they have what are called moving sidewalks. Maybe you've seen them at the airport. They help you move a little bit faster to your destination. They're a slow conveyor belt that help people travel horizontally. And so some people call them the people mover. Some people call them the travelator. I kind of like the word travelator. Um, but the travelator helps you walk and helps you speed walk to your destination. And I remember using this travelator when I was in Dubai, and it was fun for about three minutes. But then I was with my buddy Cole, and we decided, hey, let's walk on this thing backwards. <laughs> so I turned around and started walking the opposite direction. People were looking around, uh, looking at us and trying to get around us, and we were just having a really fun time goofing around. But when I stopped and walked the opposite direction on this travelator, I began to feel the pull backwards. If I were to stop, I would slowly move backwards. And this is kind of what Paul is talking about when describing the flesh. It's the pull back towards sin that we all experience, and apart from Jesus, without him, and the help of the Spirit, we cannot help but to sin. It's what we do. The pull back towards sin, towards old living, old ways of living can be, overcome with the, can be overcome with the help of the Spirit. By setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, Galatians 5.16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so Paul here talks about two different mindsets, but he also talks about two different outcomes. Take a look at verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the mindset of the flesh is death. It's hostile to God. It's unable to please him. And the mindset of the spirit is life and peace with God, the ability to overcome our sins here on this earth. And before this part in Scripture, Paul wants to make it very clear, and throughout Romans, he makes it very clear that those in Christ have been justified. We were without sin because of Jesus. That God's requirements have been fully taken care of by Jesus' death and his resurrection. The believer is without sin, without condemnation, and now we can experience a mindset on the things of the Spirit and not on the things of the flesh, not on the things that pull us back towards sin. We now have the power to change. We now have the power to resist. We now have the power to honor God because of the power of the Holy Spirit 
within the believer. It's a process of sanctification. As a Christian, our sin will hopefully lessen because of what Christ has done in our lives. And hopefully we recognize that we are more sinful like Paul did than we ever really realized. And so our understanding of God's love and grace and mercy for us should also increase during that time. But we can resist sin. We're not stuck. To set our minds on the things of God is a first and important step. We have victory because we have our victor, Jesus Christ. So let's begin to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Paul reminds us in verse 9, he said, You, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit dwells in you. So he reminds us that for those that are in Christ, we are not in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God. For the believer, the, one of the ways for the pull backwards towards sin is overcoming it by our mindsets. That's just one of the ways which we are to live as, as Christians, living a spirit-filled life. So what does it mean to set our minds on the things of the Spirit? Paul says that it produces life and it produces peace. It's what the Spirit produces in the Christian as we journey together with him. And maybe you're familiar with Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And more, the Spirit produces all these things in our lives. So that when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're without coffee, when we're overworked or stressed, or when we're late to church because we have a stain on our shirt, we can honor God with our minds. And so this past week, what were some of the things you've been focused on? Did you find yourself doing or saying something that you weren't proud of? I remember uh, my, uh, my wife and I, we, we traveled to our in-laws a lot and uh, hang out with them. And I remember one uh, Thanksgiving day, we drove down to, to visit her parents. And uh, whenever we stop, we stop by, whenever we go to her parents, we stop by A&W Restaurant. There's not a lot of A&W restaurants in Southern California. There's a few. But when we stop, um, we, you might think A&W Restaurant, you might think Root Beer, you might think Root Beer Floats, but that's not the reason why my family stops. We stop because of the cheese curds. Now, my family loves cheese, especially we love fried cheese. Cheese curds are delicious. My wife introduced me to this wonderful, greasy box of fried cheese. It's simply amazing. And so for this year on Thanksgiving, we were traveling and we were passing A&W. My wife looks over at me and she says, Joe, the cheese curds. That's how she speaks. She says, Joe, the cheese curds. Like, we need to stop. And I said, we're about to eat Thanksgiving dinner. We're about to have turkey. We're about to have stuffing. Endless amount of pies. Think about all the food we're about to eat. My grandma cooks a Norwegian lefse. It's like potato uh, like p- potato tortillas. It's a Norwegian dish. That's what we have for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving food is amazing. And so we passed on the cheese curds for that day, and we decided we're going to go and eat our Thanksgiving dinner instead of eating what we really wanted in that moment. <laughs> and so, just like most Thanksgiving days, we feasted on our Thanksgiving food. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, Thanksgiving food is all right, but Thanksgiving food is so much better the next day. 
So the next day we woke up and we decided that we're going to eat leftovers. And so we had leftovers and we were full yet another day. And so we decided to drive back home later that day and we passed by A&W Restaurant. And I leaned over to Amanda and I said, hey, do you want us to um, eat the cheese curds? you want us to stop? And she, the look on her face was, was absolutely no. I'm so filled with Thanksgiving last yesterday food and then the leftovers that we had today. Absolutely no. What changed for us? One moment, that's all we wanted. And the next moment, that's the last thing we, want, we wanted. What changed for us is that we were filled with something else. Now, this small story mirrors our spiritual mindset. How do we overcome the pull of sin? How do we, become, um, how do we overcome that pull back towards the flesh? We become filled with something else. We become filled with something better. We honor the Lord um, with our minds. That's one of the steps that we do so that we do not crave other things. Yes, at times we fail, and, but we need to realize that we have the ability to move forward and glorify God for his glory and for his people. We are not stuck in our sins because we have the Holy Spirit to help us. So why is setting our minds on the Spirit so important? The mindset of the Spirit produces the mindset of what Jesus had. And I don't know about you, but I want the mind of Jesus. I want to daily be remember, to be reminded of Jesus' finished work on the cross. And so you might be thinking, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, that's just for sin management. It's more than just sin management. Setting your mind on the things of God is not only during times of temptation, times of frustration, times of anger, times of loss. It's a moment-by-moment rhythm of our Christian life. And so if, there, if I'm late to church because of whatever reason and I'm upset, I don't just say, I need to set my mind on the things of God. It's not just for that moment. It's what happened in the morning when you woke up. There's probably things that are leading up to you, um, maybe having um, anger, having an outburst. I know for me, there are things leading up to driving out here. There are things leading up when I finally was just like, this is too much for me. And so it's not just for the moment. It's a regular part of the Christian life. And so this morning, what are the areas in your life do you need? Where do you need the Spirit's help? What is keeping you from Jesus? What are some other healthy patterns or thoughts or passions that you're dealing with? God offers us life and peace through Jesus and by his Holy Spirit. Ken Burdine, an author and professor, has helped me a lot to understand what it means to have life in the Spirit. He's taught me a lot of things about how to practically apply it in my Christian life. And he writes this to some of his readers. He says, what, it, what a day looks like when you are setting your mind and walking in the Spirit. He says, your alarm goes off. This is a 24-hour day. Your alarm goes off. The first thing you pray is, Lord, I need you during this day. You pull your tired body off the mattress with a prayer, I need your help even getting going today. Your first spiritual action of the day is to tangibly express love to each member of your family with a hug or a touch or a word of, of genuine care. You spend some time meditating on sections of Scripture and take a walk, sit or kneel for prayer, and you cry out to God for his grace in the day ahead. You get into your car with the awareness that one of your weaknesses is the way you respond to bad drivers. But before you, your mind gets ahead of you, you breathe a prayer for God's grace and to give you patience on the road. You forgive a boss, a teacher, a coworker, a colleague with the help of the Spirit as that so very difficult person once again says something to you that you don't like. You suppress a word of gossip that is going to creep 
from your heart towards your mouth and turn your eyes away from something you shouldn't gaze upon. <clears throat> At some point during the day, you express a spontaneous moment of thanksgiving to God for the presence of his spirit within you. During your drive home, you think about concrete ways you can serve your family, and you ask the Spirit to fill you with strength to live out your conviction, even at the end of a very long day. At the end of the day, you're thankful for the Spirit's sustaining grace throughout the day that has just passed. <coughs> These are some practical things that we can do as Christians. And it gets us thinking about what are some things from when you wake up to when you go to sleep, what are the patterns of your life? What are you setting your mind on? We're able to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. What I love about God living within us is that He knows us. He knows even our little quirks. He knows the things that we like. We think He knows the things that we don't like. We can customize this. We can personalize this. There's some, there's some things that are, that are, I would say, non-negotiable, but we can still experience those in the way in which God created us to be. So one of those things might be for us is this prayer. Some people might tell you, this is how I pray, and you have to customize that. Some people pray by walking. Some people pray aloud. Some people pray quietly in more of a place where they can meditate. Uh, my, my prayer <laughs> pose is I, I, I lay down. I just lay down on the floor. That's how I pray. That's not how my wife prays. She goes, Joe, you can't pray like that. And I go, yes, I can. That's how I pray. She goes, well, you could fall asleep. And I'm saying, I'm resting in Jesus. We can customize this. Some people pray for long periods of time early in the morning, and some of us have only 30 seconds before we have to rush out the door. And so some of the practical things, we can personalize it, our prayer life. Once we get this right, it affects our relationship with other people. We can ask God to guide and direct our minds through prayer. We can fill our minds with um, his truth. We can fill our minds with his truth through through scripture, there's, there's, uh, there's so many different ways, creative ways that Christians are, are um, like the Bible Project, uh, where we can visually see um, God and his story to us through Jesus. We can customize that. We can read scripture. We can meditate on it. We can, we can talk through it in groups with one another. Other practical things we can identify throughout the day, self-talk. What are those self-focused or self-defeating thoughts? Where did they come from? Why are we experiencing them? If we cannot, we cannot overcome those, maybe we need community, people that have been there and have gone through those certain things that can help us. We can practice remembering that God is with us. I don't know about you, I've, I've heard that a lot within my life, but sometimes I just gotta sit there and be like, God is with me, living in and through me. That is an amazing truth. Do you remember when you first heard that? And we can rest and we can remember. We can rest in Jesus. We can remember who we are and whose we are. We can remember that we're beloved. We can remember that we're chosen. We can remember that we are accepted. I don't know exactly where you're at. I don't know exactly where you've been. I don't know exactly what this year has had for you. But I know that the seasons of my life where I've shifted my mind, my desires towards God have been some of the most joyful times of my life. And so... As Christians, wherever we're at, whether we know Christ or don't, he's, he wants more of us. And so let's set our minds on the things of God. Let's set our minds on the things of the Spirit. So will you pray with me?